0: Welcome to the Aces Hoopcast, where we discuss all things University of Evansville, Purple Aces Hoops. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. Today is episode number 16. It is the first week in March. March is, without question, the greatest month of the year. Uh, The snow has melted. The sun is shining. We have college basketball tournaments. We have March Madness. It's the best month ever. I cannot wait to get into it. I was so excited to see the calendar turn. That being said, we are still a disappointing 9-22 and after losses this week at UNI and Illinois State. Uh, the Aces finished the regular season defeated in country conference play, so that was a little rough. Um, I truly never thought I would see the day that this would happen. It has been a tough season, my Purple friends. One that's been extraordinarily uh, rough for a handful of reasons. Um, we will talk all about it this week. We will cover this week's games at, uh, against you and Illinois State. We will take a look around the Missouri Valley Conference and talk arch madness that is this week, which is so much fun um, I'll give you a preview on the Valpo game that we have coming up here on Thursday night and we have a tremendous guest for you this week we have ESPN college hoop analyst and former ace Richie Shuler. Uh, he's gonna be fantastic I can't wait to get him on with you but uh, I get it we lead busy lives so do what you do while you are listening to the hoopcast Make your commute to work, clean your closet, get your workout in, but metaphorically speaking, take your seat, grab your popcorn, cheer for our aces, because here we go. All right, let's get into the, today's post game report. And, uh, guys, girls, uh, we did not get one this year. I mean, it was terrible, uh, tragic, really, um, and quite frankly, inconceivable that we did not win a conference game given how we started this year. Uh, but we did, and uh, ended with two losses this week. Starting with the loss at UNI, 84 to 64 in Frostbite Falls uh, midweek, and then we came home uh, to Illinois State at home on a Saturday afternoon and uh, couldn't quite get that done, 71 to 60. So let's let's break these games down here just a little bit uh, from the box score perspective. The UNI game, we we lose that one, 84 to 64. We had uh, you and I associate head coach Kyle Green on the show, and he told you that this team is different, it's different than how they usually have gone about it, and they sometimes just outscore people. Um, and that's what you know, this you and I team did, they just went blow for blow on the offensive end. Um, now, the aces did not do poorly on the offensive end, they shot 56% from two point range, 50% from the three point land, and then 80% in the first half. Um, uh, 80% from free throw line in the first half. So you can win games like that typically unless you're playing the Northern Iowa Panthers where they shoot 64% from two-point land, 56 from three-point land, and 82% from the – free throw line and they're up 13 at half so um you know we shot really well in the first half came back to earth in the second half shooting 33 uh, percent from the floor and they kept it rolling shooting 62 percent and uh, just never let it got close so they were great on the defensive side of the ball also um, but you know they shot an incredible percentage uh, from the floor and it was on their senior night and this one was not getting away from them. Evan Kuhlman and Juwan Newton both had nice games in scoring 13 points each. Both of these guys are being rewarded by the basketball gods for playing hard and I like it. Um, in the end though, A.J. Green does what A.J. Green does and he gave them 21 points. Their wings, Trey Burhaw and Isaiah Brown defended uh, and gave them double digits on the offensive end and then the big fella Austin Fife rebounded and gave them an easy bucket in the post whenever they wanted one so you and I is good deep and balanced and senior night was never in question for them uh, now on to the Illinois State game that was a Saturday afternoon game it was beautiful outside in southern Indiana um, and we ultimately lose this one 71 to 60 deandre williams sat out again with his back issue Uh, that is not great i feel for that kid um you know the team needs him and uh and you know he wants to play and those of you with back problems know it is the worst um it is hard to be an athletic aggressive player with a back issue um so you know um that that's was disappointing he couldn't play but it was kj Riley's senior night and um You know, the guys and the 5,000 fans in the Ford Center were hyped. Um, but it, it was just it was just a little different, this game. First of all, the Redbirds played a 2-3 zone for most of the game, uh, really trying hard to slow the tempo down and make us shoot jump shots. We have not seen that much zone all season long. Um, and keep in mind, mostly the most aggressive team wins. Uh, so the de- zone is designed to take the aggressiveness out of you on the offensive side. Uh, but I will say this, late in the first half, Sam Cunliffe got really aggressive and trapped the ball, got a steal. Muller got teed up, and we are within seven points going into the break. After halftime, we kept at it. Um, and ultimately found something that really worked, which is the ball screening on the top against the zone. Um, I noticed uh, watching that it worked really early and thought we'd go back to it a little bit more often than we did, truthfully. Um, but when they did, they pulled back into the game, and we got good looks, and, and it opened things up. Uh, we were up to 48-46 to 46 with about seven minutes to play after a four-point play from K.J. Riley and then a Jawan Newton 3 but, um, and I talked about the young talent in the league the last episode, and the freshman, DJ Horn, put that young talent on display for the Redbirds um, as he went for 24-7 and seven, and was just too much for the Aces. He was just taking that ball screen where he started on the left side of the floor, got to the middle of the floor, and uh, we didn't have anything uh, defensively for him. Um, and then down the stretch, we couldn't make shots. Um, and the rebounding edge, which has haunted us all year long, did so again. So uh, K.J. Riley was tough on senior night. He gives us 18 points and eight boards on the night. Evan Coolman and Sam Cunliffe both record 10 points. But the shooting, 33% from the field and getting out-rebounded by 17 just makes it too steep of a hill to climb. Um, So that ended the season, or the regular season, I should say, and the only thing left was senior night uh, where, you know, they honor this year's only senior, uh, K.J. Riley. And I want to say this, senior night at UE is special. It's different than most places. Um, I still remember my senior night, being able to speak to 10,000 people um, after the game. I've never done that since. Um, It is quite an experience. Um, and and it's just not like that everywhere. But uh, I am very happy that Coach Licklider continued the tradition, and that you know that almost all the fans stuck around uh, to listen to KJ um, give an emotional emotional filled speech um, after losing a tough game. You know they had a nice video presentation um, on KJ's accomplishments. Um, you know his family was there and senior night is something that he and his family will never forget, and we wish K.J. Riley uh, all the best. All right, let's get in the locker room. Um, Now, guys, girls, there is no player for us this week. The team is prepping for Arch Madness. Um, That brings more media, more prep, travel on Wednesday. And the SID, Bob Pristratz, has been great to us all season long for getting these guys on this week. So if you see him in St. Louis, uh, shake his hand, tell him thanks for helping us out all this year because he was fantastic in doing that coordination and getting guys on the show, which I know you wanted to hear. But I do want to take this time in the locker room to discuss something that I saw all year long, and I know you saw it also, which is this. The absolutely terrible whistle that we got from the NBC officials all year long. For instance, KJ's fourth foul against ISU on his senior night was absolutely terrible with eight minutes left. I saw it. You saw it. It's not a mystery why, actually. And I will tell you why we got absolutely brutal calls at critical stretches in this game's all season long. So, Much like baseball, where there are unwritten rules to the game, basketball is similar. I mean, I know that you're noticing uh, the Astros players getting plunked at the greatest rate in beanball history this spring, and it's because they deserve it. They cheated. The game is rewarding them with uh, some type of uh, evil karma, which they absolutely deserve. And sadly, we deserve it, too. Um, And so here, let's start with this. The rule is this. Only the coach and the best player on the floor can effectively talk to the officials. Everyone else needs to shut their trap. Um, And I want to say that again, because what I think you heard from me was that the coaching staff and the best player on each team gets to talk with the officials and potentially help his team's cause. That's not what I said. What I said was the head coach from each team and the very best player on the court for all the players get to talk to the official. That means there are a total of three people who should ever converse with the guys in stripes. Um, Officials are people and they will listen to people who are a known quantity and that's it. Everybody else is just flapping their gums. Um, And at some point, if the gum flapping gets too much, then it gets annoying to them, and as a people, we are which we are wont to do. They subliminally get back to at you for some reason. Um, think about the best performer in your offense. Uh, that that person seems to get the best of everything. They get the first pick. Everyone else gets kind of left behind, or at least the scraps. And is it right? I don't know. But that's just how it is. That's the way the world works. And the head coaches are known quantities to the officials. The best player on the court after he performs enough to get everyone's attention is a known quantity. After that, it's all just noise. The grimaces, the looks of disbelief, the shaking the heads, it can all go away because it means nothing and it can only hurt you unless you are one of those three known quantities. I used to tell my guys when I was coaching, I was like, hey, listen, we're all on the same team, and we all have roles to fill. One guy's to shoot it, one guy's to handle it, one guy's to set a, green, set a screen, etc. I'm part of the team, and I will yell at the officials enough for all of us. And I did. I promise you, seriously, I do not get any Christmas cards from any of the guys who called my games. But... They listened to me, and many times they really came over. And you know, I've had officials come over and say, "Hey, my son's going to be that age next year. I want him to play for you," because my players never said a word to the officials because they knew that there's we only get as a team one voice of construction constructive criticism, not 14, and that makes a difference. Um, And it's how we operate as a society. I mean, think about it. In politics, there is a Speaker of the House. All the House representatives, guys, just don't don't get to blah, 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 blah. There's a Speaker of the House. Um, We have lobbyists for industry so that the one voice can be heard. That's how we operate uh, at work. That's how we operate at home. That's how we operate in politics. And that's how we operate as a society. And that happens on the basketball court as well. Um, If you notice... Ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa, who's been in the league, won NCAA tournament games, won conference championships, has a lot more to say than someone who is new to the league. And that's just the way it is. And I think, I'll tell you this, I think Coach Licklider gets this. I think he understands it uh, quite a bit because the complaining has gone way down since his return. Uh, But I'm telling you that there is an unwritten rule, and the officials follow it, um, and there is a way as a team to address it, and mostly that is about uh, just to zip it and never say a word unless you are winning games and you are the best on the floor again, which we're not right now. I mean, it's silly. I've seen coaches spend the entire game yelling at officials in preseason games. I mean, imagine that. Like, uh, Here's how this all, whole thing should shake down in, in honesty. Uh, coaches should coach your teams. Players, you should listen to your coaches and play the games. Fans, do your thing. I, I don't care. Like, uh, you can go after the officials. That's all fair and game. I mean, tell them they have bad eyesight. Tell them uh, that they're a poor decision maker, I, you know, all that stuff. Like, let's not get into, hey, his wife is ugly or, you know, you want to meet him in the parking lot, but ha- have fun with it. That's fine as fans. But as coaches and as players, you have to be on the same page and, And if you do so, if you follow the unwritten rule, we'll all be better off for it. (laughs) All right, let's... uh... Take a look around the Missouri Valley Conference in today's halftime report. uh, Guys, girls, the season is over. All 18 regular season conference games have been played, and now the teams are getting ready to play in the Missouri Valley Tournament in St. Louis, the greatest conference tournament ever, Arch Madness. It is the second oldest single-site tournament in NCAA history, behind the Big East tournament that is held at Madison Square Garden every year. Uh, Plenty of conferences move their tournament around. The Missouri Valley has found a home in St. Louis, and for my money, I hope it stays there forever. This is the 30th year that the games have been held in St. Louis and that they've uh, signed off on the nickname arch madness instead of march madness and i absolutely love it if you can do it you've got to get there i myself have an appointment on thursday night which is going to preclude me from getting over there and i do not like that at all uh but let's uh take a little bit uh time and look through this bracket so you and i is 14 and four they are the number one seed um they they're just the best team top to bottom they have a point guard they have a center they have wings that can guard they're they're a really really good team um you know they are. They beat Colorado on the road. They've beaten South Carolina, and they lost four conference games. So that just shows to show you how tough the Missouri Valley Conference is. Uh, but they will have the winner of Drake in Illinois State on Friday. Drake and Illinois State played Thursday night before our game, so they'll they will tip that up at twelve oh five on Friday afternoon. If you want to play hooky at work and uh, take a long lunch and watch the best team in the valley uh, on Friday. at Twelve o five, then Loyola uh, finished with thirteen and five, so a really good season for them. Uh, but uh, but you know, really, what needs to happen for us is we need Loyola to win the tournament uh, championship game on Sunday in overtime against you and I in a absolutely great game, um, so that potentially we could get two teams in the NCAA tournament. You uh, and I is the best team, I think that they believe they will win it. That being said. Um, if Loyola beats you and I in the championship game, you and I has a legit shot at getting an at-large bid, and that would help us in the conference. Uh, Loyola plays the winner of Valpo and us. Um, that's a Friday night tip at 6:05. If if we can get out of the Thursday game against Valpo, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, Indiana State finished third, was was really impressive given the fact they started with seven losses on the uh, early in the year in a row, and then came back and they finished eleven and seven in the season, which is really great. They got the tiebreaker over Bradley, so they finished third. Um, I've really liked that group all year long, um, and they will play Missouri State on Friday night at eight thirty-five. Uh, Bradley finished fourth at 11 and 7. So they, um, you know, they had a really good season. They they lost Elijah Childs in the middle of the year. They've got him back, so they're always going to be a tough out. And they have Southern Illinois Friday at 2:35. Southern Illinois finishes 10 and 8 on the season, uh, fifth and conference. Just great considering, by all accounts, everybody picked them to finish last. So good for Brian Mullins and the Salukis for finishing 10 and 8. Uh, Missouri State, who was picked first to win the conference, finishes nine and nine. Then, um, uh, so did Valpo finish at nine and nine. Um, and we have Valpo obviously at uh, eight thirty-five on Thursday. You can watch that game on ESPN Plus. You can watch all the games Thursday, Friday, Saturday on ESPN Plus, and then you can watch the championship game on CBS on Sunday. Um, Illinois State finished. Uh, Five and thirteen. Drake finished, or sorry, I should say that Drake finished eight and ten, and Illinois State finished five and thirteen, and we were zero and eighteen. Obviously, um, but the, those Saturday games are at two thirty-five and five hundred five, if you're interested. And then um, that's a one ten tip on Sunday on CBS for the championship game. Uh, last week, I will tell you this: since we're playing Valpo, Donovan Clay from Valpo is the newcomer of the week. He's a freshman. He averaged 16 and and six last week, um, and put up 22 against Missouri State. So um, that that's that's a nice effort out of Donovan Clay from Valpo. And then Austin Fife, the center from U N I, was the Player of the Week in Missouri Valley Conference. Um, he had 27 points and 21 rebounds this week versus us and Drake, and makes U N I so tough because they've got probably the best point guard in the league in A J Green, and then they've got um, you know, uh, potentially that that you know one of the best centers in the league there, and that makes that team tough. So um, they're they're really really good. I will tell you this: you should listen to March to the Arch podcast if you want even more breakdown on this week's tournament. Uh, Vance and Baker do a great job over there, um, and they really focus on the entire conference. I am just focused in on us, but if you want more Missouri Valley Conference, check out March the Arch podcast with Vance and Baker. Um, On your drive over, listen, uh, check them out. I will also tell you that just today the Missouri Valley Conference released their all-conference team, so uh, no surprise to anybody. Javon Freeman-Liberty from Valpo, he's a sophomore guard. He's on the all-conference team. So is A.J. Green um, from UNI. We knew that going in. Tyree Key from Indiana State. Is on the all conference team as well as Cameron Crutwig from Loyola and then Austin Fife, who we just talked about from you and I. So you've got you uh, and I with two guys on that all conference team Cameron Crutwig going in, who was a uh, contending for player of the year uh, from Loyola, and then Javon Freeman Liberty from Valpo, and then Tyreek Cree from Indian State. So that's a really good group. That is a really good team. The second team was Daryl uh, Brown from Bradley, Elijah Childs from Bradley. Keandre Cook from Missouri State, uh, Marcus Damask from Illinois or Southern Illinois, and then Liam Robbins from Drake. The third team was Jordan Barnes from Indiana State, Tate Hall from Loyola, uh, Nate Cannell from Bradley, Roman Penn from Drake, and Gage Prim, the big fellow from Missouri State. Uh, The all newcomer team was listed as Marcus Damask from Southern Illinois. Man, I really like that kid. Uh, Tate Hall who uh, you guys know from earlier episodes that I uh, have a really good connection with him and his dad, and tape played in my AAU group. So uh, really like him, happy for that kid, shoots the heck out of it. Jake LaRavia, who is one of my favorite freshmen in the conference. Roman Penn from Drake, and then Gage Prim, uh, Missouri State. So, All those guys make the newcomer team. The all-freshman team is Donovan Clay, who we'll talk about or just talked about from Valpo, Marcus Damask from Southern Illinois, DJ Horn, who killed us from Illinois State, Marcus Kennedy from Loyola, and then Jake LaRavia from Indiana State. Uh, Then the all-defensive team was Isaiah Brown from UNI, Javon Freeman-Liberty from Valpo, Leon Robbins from Drake, the seven-footer, Christian Williams from Indiana State. We talked about how good a defensive guy he can be. And then Lucas Williamson from Loyola. So uh, Missouri Valley Conference releases all of their all-conference teams. The player of the year doesn't get announced until later this week. All right, joining us now on the HoopCast hotline, a former ace, a current ESPN college basketball analyst, and the NCAA's all-time leader in field goal percentage shooting. Joining us now on the show, Richie Schuler. Richie, how are you, my man?
1: I'm doing good, man. With that introduction, you make me sound a lot more important than
0: I am. Well, I mean, you never missed a shot in uh, your college uh, playing days, which is the most impressive thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Not many people can say that, right? Like, uh, there are not many players in the world that can say they didn't miss a shot in college basketball.
0: So, You know, Coach Coach, Coach Cruz probably should have played you more. Well, that's the thing.
1: I mean, look, I played four minutes of my career. I took two shots. I made them both. That's 100%. Nobody can beat that. And I averaged a point a minute. And I told Coach Cruz after my career, I said, dude, you should have
0: played me 40 a game. <laughs> it would
1: have been 40 points a game I'd have played if he had allowed me to just, you know, play my average.
0: Man, uh, he held you back. There's no question about that. Um, much like I've done to plenty of players in my coaching career. But uh, le- um, let's let's go be let's go way back from that. I mean, now you you were you know set the NCAA record. You're on ESPN every night. You're a a famous TV star. But let's go way way back before you came on to the Evansville campus. Talk about how you got to campus.
1: That's a great story. So my sister is four years older than me. And so when I'm a freshman in high school, she was a freshman in college. And, um, you know, that's how it all began. Like, I, I really didn't know what the University of Evansville was. I'm from Ohio uh, at that age, you know, going into high school. But uh, she chose the school, and I fell in love with the school. Like, honestly, I would go and visit her every year, sometimes multiple times a year. And, um, you know, so I got to follow the basketball team, fell in love with the basketball team. And I don't think anybody knows it. I'm going to make sure they know it. Uh, good old Rex Simmermaker is the is the one man who motivated me to, who, to to try to make the basketball team as a walk-on at the University of Evansville. Uh, because following my sister, she's sending me the media guides all the time. Seeing you on there, you became an inspiration to me. I don't think many people know that. But uh,
0: so you, you said if that guy can do it, anybody can. Let's go. <laughs>
1: Well, I just thought, look, I don't think I'm a Division One player, me personally. I and mean, you were probably a much better player than I was, but I, uh, I definitely know that uh, if if it's possible to walk on the basketball team at Evansville, especially as a senior, then I'm going to give it a try. And uh, yeah, man, so I followed your example. I, none of that's none of this would have happened if uh, you had uh, not secretly motivated me all those years. Didn't even know you were doing it.
0: Well, I'm glad I did. I, I didn't realize that was going on, but uh, I appreciate you uh, you uh, telling that story. That's uh, high praise. But uh, you have uh, you certainly took the uh, the little bit of motivation you need and absolutely ran with it. Um, why don't Why don't you tell our listeners what you've done since graduating and and your coaching life and uh, and where it's taken you now?
1: Well, it's amazing what uh, four minutes on the court during games as a college basketball walk-on has opened for me as far as doors are concerned. Uh, and let me just tell you, um, Jim Cruz, Co- Coach Cruz, I mean, he, you know, he is probably the same way with you. I mean, that's one of the most loyal people I've ever, persons I've ever met in my life because, I mean, he treats me like I was a three-time All-American and I played four minutes as a senior year walk-on. And he's done everything for me. He's opened a lot of doors for me. He helped me get into the college coaching world uh fortunately was able to coach college basketball for 10 years at different levels and um you know if it wasn't for him giving me that opportunity and then recommending me to be a graduate assistant at austin p uh it never would have it never came to fruition so um you know so i spent those 10 years coaching college basketball uh when i decided to get out of coaching and have a little bit more of a balanced life i definitely wanted to keep basketball in my life so in short um You know i got into the broadcasting side of things and that's been going on for about seven or eight years now and uh it's worked out really well for me i've enjoyed the ride and all at the same time working my basketball businesses on the side so having a lot of fun man trying to stay around the game as much as i possibly can
0: you're doing it you're doing it at a high level um so and i think you just got um uh tab to be the uh, call the big sky league is that right the tournament games coming up this week is that correct I'm pretty excited about
1: it. Yeah, the, the Big Sky Championship. It's uh, going to be in Boise, Idaho. It's coming up mid-March. Uh, obviously, whoever wins that gets a ticket to the NCAA tournament. And that's that's where I feel so blessed is, you know, most of the time when you when you're, when you're you think about broadcasters, you know, you, there's usually two guys on the game, right? There's the play-by-play guy who's the professional that does, like, multiple sports. This is what he does for a living year-round, sure. all different sports. And then there's the analyst. I know I think you've done a little bit of this yourself, so you know it. Uh, the color commentator, same thing. And, um, you know, the color commentator is usually somebody who was a big name player or coach, neither of which I was. You know, When I was a head coach at the college level, I was a division two head coach. And I wasn't a big name coach. Uh, so, you know, I feel very fortunate that I was even able to break into it. And I feel very lucky that over the years, the last seven years of doing work with ESPN, uh, I've gotten a little bit more work. They've trusted me a little bit more. They've given me some better conferences to work in. They've given me higher-profile games on higher networks, and now it's just it's just I feel very fortunate because here, this is the first time I've gotten a game during champ week. So working the championship game uh, for the Big Sky Conference is quite the honor.
0: Uh, that's fantastic, man. And, and you've, I mean, I don't want you to downplay it at all. I mean, you've done some very high-profile games. The, the last time I saw you, you were doing a, a game at UNLV and um you you do a lot of mountain west stuff and um you know uh big west games and all that stuff so you you get to see a lot of college basketball from the front row
1: it's been awesome yeah you're right i mean i'm working the uh, the wcc conference the big west conference the mountain west conference and you know the wcc is the west coast conference and you know you get to see a lot of gonzaga yeah uh, st mary's byu those teams have always been dominant in that conference and uh, the Mountain West has been excellent the last couple of years. Last year it was Eric Musselman's Nevada squad the last couple of years uh, before he bolted for Arkansas. And so that was fun because they were number five in the country one game. I got to work them. And this year it's San Diego State. We all know about San Diego State. They'll be a number one seed as long as they don't mess up in the conference tournament. But I had them a couple of weeks ago, and they were number four in the country. So uh, one thing I have learned over the years, you know, when you're coaching, you're always – coaches will never admit it, but coaches coaches are insecure And they're always wondering what other coaches are doing. And uh, they're always trying to understand what's happening on the other side. And too many of them worry about that rather than worry about themselves. But one thing I've learned from being in the broadcasting side of things is, uh, man, I mean, there's good coaches and there's great coaches at all levels. Right. I see guys who are junior high coaches that are high school coaches that could coach in the ACC or the Big Ten. And um, then you see coaches that are at high-level programs that, uh, you know, couldn't coach a lick if he didn't have decent players right you know what i mean so it's just amazing um you know the level of coaching you see at all different levels
0: yeah it's uh it's it's impressive and uh, what i like is and i truthfully rich i don't stay up that late anymore like i'm a i'm the type of guy who has to watch saturday night live on sunday you know, I have to record it and watch it the next day because <laughs> I can't stay up that late. But, um, right. you know, what What I like is, you know, like you, you break down the game. Um, I, you know, I think you were you were talking about uh, the post-century wheel action the other day before the game or at halftime. I can't remember which it was. But, you know, yeah. those are the type of things that, the, the you know, the high-IQ basketball fans like we have at Evansville um, really appreciate.
1: Well, you're right. Um I think people were very fortunate um whether they were fans or not, but you know the whole Cruz and Simmons eras really taught the game of basketball i mean it was really a high i q level of play, and not everybody was a fan of that style, but it was still a hard hard way to play and uh, you' really had to learn and have have a high i q to play that in that style, as you know in that system uh but i've tried to take that and Educate the average couch potato who's a basketball fan on just some small things like you're talking about the post entry wheel or uh, post movement or off the ball defense or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that kind of one of my little niches. I don't know if there's a whole lot of coaches or analysts that'll do that uh, in games, so I try to I try to you know, make it bite-sized. When I first started doing it, I was fresh off coaching, and I was using all this fancy terminology. And I remember one time we went to a commercial, and the guy took his headset off that was working with me. He's you know he's a pro. He's been doing this for decades. He looks at me and goes, "Rich, they have no idea what you're talking about. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to dumb down your language and the terminology. You have gotta simplify this." He's like, "They don't have a clue what you're saying. They don't understand." I was like, "Well, that makes a great point." So ever since then, I've tried to really, uh, really make it in easy terms so that you know most people can relate to to what's going on inside the game.
0: Well, that, uh, that helps. And it, if you're just dumb like me, then, you know, you don't have to worry about being too fancy, you know, it's just, it's always pretty mediocre. So yeah. that helps, you know, on my side I of doubt things. That. <laughs> um, I doubt that, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, for whatever reason, have done a good job too. Like you just guys, girls, you gotta check this out. Cause, uh, Richie, for whatever reason, um, the student sections love you, brother.
1: <laughs> man, well, don't you remember at old Robert stadium, what was it the
0: uh, I don't know what they called the themselves? The Purple Pack, and, uh, man.
1: The, the Purple Pack. The Purple Pack. Yeah, yeah. The Purple Pack was was uh, was fun, and then a lot of times the frat guys would get together, and I join in on those, and and we'd act crazy and make the Purple Pack even more fun. That was before I was on the team. I'm sure you remember those days before you had walked on. Uh, I do. I mean, we're like a mirror image, man. We both walked on as seniors. That's that's unique. Yeah. Uh, but oh, go ahead.
0: No, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I I was. Uh, I founded that Purple Pack group, and then was able to walk on. Yeah, and um, and so it it was it was a great time, and we had a we had an absolute blast. I mean, coach was great to me; like he was giving me uh, scouting reports and stuff like that. But uh, we had an absolute blast and there are teams out there like that that have that kind of atmosphere going right now and um you know like you're getting the mix and uh, it's it's a good time and people can learn and have a good time and watch great games so i'm i'm super happy for you but outside of that you do some other great stuff so like talk to us a little bit about phd phd hoops which is uh i know you're something you're really passionate about as well
1: yeah, you know, I'm still dumbfounded. I had no idea, at least I forgot, that you founded the Purple Pack. That's uh, that's impressive stuff. No wonder Coach Cruz loved you so much. Well. Uh, well, but just to follow up with that, I was going to tell you that I enjoyed being a part of your Purple Pack so much that when I do work these games and I see the student sections live and having fun, I've got to jump in there. It's part of the, it's part of the deal. Otherwise, uh, I'm not having any fun. So, I've got to take full advantage. Reminds me of your old Purple Pack days.
0: Yeah, no, we you know? good times. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do as a college kid. You're supposed to go to the game. You're supposed to lose your mind. You're supposed to, you know, uh, paint your chest and and scream and holler and, uh, you know, just enjoy it. Because I guarantee you that, you know, when you get to be my age, um, you know, you just, you can't do it or, you know, your your back hurts the next day.
1: Oh, right, right, right. right. You're really showing your age, man.
0: Yeah, I am. There's no doubt. Uh <laughs> But,
1: yeah, man, it's a good time. But, uh, but yeah, PhD Hoops, you had brought that up. Uh, I created PhD Hoops almost two years ago now, uh, really as a platform for coaches to share and learn from each other, but also to help educate young players as well. Uh, same kind of thing. When I'm breaking down stuff in a basketball game, uh, you know, I also want to have a chance to break down stuff for young basketball players to improve. And so – We built the website at Ph.D. Hoops. We got the social media going at Ph.D. Hoops on Twitter and Instagram and also Facebook, and we put a lot of content on both, and the idea is the website is designed so you can go to different categories. If somebody wants uh, like a team defensive drill, they can click there. If they want a ball handling or shooting drill, they can click there, so on and so forth, Uh, rebound drills. So people have a bunch of different places where they can go to find information on a certain area if they're trying to learn and get better as a player or a coach. And then social media just has a lot of content, um, and a lot of that same stuff that's on the website is also on the on the social media, and some unique things as well. But we've grown PhD Hoops um, to do travel tours, which is something that I've actually been doing and been organizing trips for about six years now, and I've gone on many trips overseas for a long time. But that's what it's all about. Uh, we have the PhD Hoop travel tour section of the company, where any player, male or female. Depending on the trip, ages 12 to 25, because we have a bunch of different trips that go internationally. We give them a chance to uh, represent their country, go overseas, and compete against this international style of play. And so try to make it educational too, you know, give them some sightseeing opportunities and um, you know, see that the world is a lot bigger than where they're from. But, uh, but that's a lot of fun. The tours are great. And then you know, we've, we've mixed in some camps now, we're starting a skill development program we're looking at opening some coaching clinics in the near future so uh we're trying to take it off man we're trying to make it you know all all basketball educational basketball hence the name phd and phd
0: i love it i love it i mean uh yeah you can go there and kind of get whatever it is you need if you need uh just you want to learn a specific part of the game, or if you really want to get involved and, and play as a kid or as a parent, you want your kid involved and, um, you know, just know that they're going with, with a good group, and th- th- that's fantastic. Um, and I don't remember, you're going to you're gonna have to remind me now, so is part of P- PhD Hoops the um, prison program? Do you still run that through PhD, or is that another group entirely?
1: that's a separate group entirely. That's a developing nonprofit company that I opened as well. Uh, It runs, it's, you know, it's separate from each other. Uh, It's called sentence with a purpose. We actually haven't even launched the website yet. It's about half done. Uh, So sentence with a purpose is what it's called. And I've been doing that just unofficially for probably three or four years going into these prisons and uh, bringing either basketball teams in or bringing coaches and doing like a coaching camp or like a camp really for prisoners. If you can imagine uh, the games are kind of like remember the movie The Longest Yard, yeah, with Adam Sandler. Then there's a football game, so it's like a basketball game instead of a football game. But you're playing in front of their, you know, their crowd. the smaller crowds than in the movie, um, and you're bring bringing. i bringing some good players, and we're going to compete against some of these best inmates. And at the camps, when we do bring in coaches in there, it's kind of like. Uh, I don't know how to compare it. It's kind of like a regular camp, but you have guys who are in prison for one reason or another uh, that usually these are middle-aged and older men competing or participating in these camps. And it's funny because the most coachable players that I've ever come across uh, in my entire life of coaching all different age levels and, and, um, you know, uh, levels of play have been, convicts and lifers who are in prison for of their life because they're so excited that somebody cares them from the outside to be there to give them some time that they'll do anything you ask. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling a guy who who has been a part of a, a few murders <clears throat> that he's got a. He's got to do push-ups for every layup he misses, and he just does it right, right away. No questions asked.
0: <laughs> it's, do you ever think, uh, hey, this guy's done it once before? If I uh, if I make him do too many, they, he might uh, not not uh, be worried about uh, adding another notch. No. Well,
1: <laughs> that's a legitimate concern. Uh, I do remember one time. I'll, let me preface that by saying I do remember one time we we went into a yard, um, went into a prison that was all level three and four prisons, uh, yards, which means these are the worst of the worst. There's levels one, two, three, and four. Level three and four is all the same kind of crimes. It's just that level four is less behaved, okay. less as well behaved as level three guys. And so level three and four yards are your, you know, the worst crime you can imagine. And um, we we closed the gate to the, we had a group that got went in one time to do a camp. And as soon as we closed the gate, the coach that was with us, he, he works at the prison. He goes, Hey, you might see a murder today. Very nonchalantly (laughs) like that. And like, what do you mean? We might see a murder. He goes, yeah, people get shanked here all the time. I'm like, Oh, "Oh, thanks for telling us. But when we're there, there's a million guards watching. There's a lot of rifles. We're not stressed too much about anything happening. And be quite honest with you. I mean, most of these guys in prison, they're there for horrible reasons and they know it and they admit it. And, and, you know, but despite what you see on TV, the vast majority of guys are are very regretful and remorseful for what they've done. And, you know, they're they're just trying to make the best lives for themselves while they're there. And that's why I created Sentence With a Purpose, because the whole idea is the message that we give the guys is, hey, you're here. You just got to accept it. And most of them do, you know, admit your mistakes. And then while you're here, you know, make the best life you can. Have some sort of purpose in life instead of just rotting in prison with nothing to do. And there's a wide variety of ways that guys have taken advantage of that. But I think the message has been good. Um, we just need to get the thing officially a nonprofit, which the paperwork is in, and I think we can grow the thing pretty quick.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic stuff. Um, I, I love it. Uh, appreciate you, you know, letting us in on a little bit. If if someone wanted to get involved either with Sentence with the Purpose or just, uh, you know, uh, learn more about Ph.D. Hoops, what's the best way for them to reach out and get a hold of that stuff, Richie?
1: Yeah, so we don't have an email address yet for Sentence with a Purpose. People have just been emailing me personally, which they can do. It's ritchie.shuler at gmail.com. R-I-C-H-I-E dot S-C-H-U-E L-E-R at gmail.com. Ph.D. Hoops, we have, if you go to phdhoops.com, there's a contact section on the right side of the page. Uh, Just go to the more section or contact section and and you can very easily hit us there or you can just hit you know go to info at com, and there's a plethora of ways people can get involved in either one of them so I appreciate you even giving people the opportunity to to get involved if they want to
0: Yeah, I'm an I'm an addict so I'm I'm always checking it out so um you know like I I love it so I want other addicts to uh know where they can get their um hoops fix at any point in time so that's good stuff <laughs> Yeah man, and I would say this. Uh, I you know I watch a lot of hoops. Um, I have buddies that watch a lot of hoops, but I don't think anybody watches more hoops than you. I mean, you you see as many as um, anybody I know, um, and and you watch mid major teams as well. And so you've yeah. seen a lot of mid major teams. You've seen that San Diego State make their run this year. Like what um, what do you think is like the number one thing that a, that a program like evansville mid-major program that's playing in the missouri valley That's you know um the wcc is very similar to the valley that way what what is the number one thing programs have to do in order to be successful
1: it's one word it's resources yeah resources um i don't think a lot of people know what that exactly means and a lot of people are very critical of coaches based on wins and losses but so much of being a successful coach is where you're at yep it's where you're at it's If you're at a school, and this is probably probably doesn't apply so much to maybe high schools as it does. Well, maybe it does, yeah, but I'm just thinking college-wise. If you're at a school that gives you resources, that uh, has the resources, you know, the facilities on campus, and has the administrative support, you are much more likely to win than if you don't. And, um, you know, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that University of Evansville, uh, as far as an athletic budget, and I'm talking resources when it comes to uh, across the Missouri Valley is right there at the bottom, yeah. you know, and it's not that Evans University of Evansville is a bad school by any means. It just means that it's a smaller school that has less financial resources. However, you know, what UE does have is, um, you know, a brand new practice facility, which is nice, a uh, brand new arena. But what I think really gets people over the top um, with a lot of the programs is simply, uh, financial resources, budget for recruiting, um, you know, that kind of thing. If you look at the programs like Dayton, Butler, you know, VCU, uh, Gonzaga, you reference San Diego state. These programs are always competitive year in and year out. And it's not so much that I think those coaches are so much better than the coaches we've had at UE or other programs who have not had success year in and year out. It's that they have more resources and that's why they're more successful. So and I think a lot of fans and the average people are, are very uh, critical of coaches, but they don't understand the background. Resources, win you games. And if you don't have the kind of budget, uh, it's very difficult to get over that hump. So, But all those programs I just mentioned, and I can mention a zillion more, uh, they all have resources, and they have the ability to uh, spend money to recruit players, the ability to um, do a lot of different things, You know, even just within their program, Uh to make the players a little more happy and give them more opportunities to be better than most others. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I totally get it. Um, and now part of that is, um, you know, we've had great fan support, even though we've not played well this year, Richie, I mean, we've had great, yeah, we're drawing 5,000 people a night and, you know, truthfully the product has not been, um, great. So, so, uh, good. That's, that's a big, big part of it. And, um, you know, to your point, that's, that's part of the resource package. That you have a full stadium every night. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. No, that's, that's a
1: great point. Yeah. yeah, but if you look at budgets across all conferences, uh, you'll see which conferences, you know, which schools have the higher budgets given to them by the university, right? Over the others, you know what I mean. But I think it's outstanding. Evansville fans have always been great. They've always come out. They've, for the most part, they've always come out. They've always been supportive, and I just think that's the tradition in Evansville since, what, the 50s. Yeah.
0: When you're winning, baby, it's easy to come out, and uh, we've got it here. So we get some, we got to somehow figure out how to uh, turn this thing around and get it rolling again, you know, which I think – Well, I'm, I'm we'll...
1: pleased with the coaching hire, to be honest with you. I know it was a mid-season hire. Yeah. I know maybe a lot of people are down on them. But you, you, you're, you're talking about 20-year-olds who psychologically maybe have not – uh, responded well to the change midseason, and many of them are loyal to Coach McCarty. You know what I mean. But I, I personally think the coaching hire was terrific. You're talking about a guy who was National Coach of the Year, Um uh, right. Fifteen years ago or so, right? Right. National Coach of the Year. So you got to give a coach a good, you know, three to five years to really get their system in place with their players. And um, unfortunately, we, Evansville fans just went through that, and here we are. <laughs> have to start hit the reset button and start all over again. So I understand the impatience, but. I think
0: he's going to be terrific. Yeah, I I don't think there's any uh, uh, argument from it. For the most part, it's just there is this anxiety. So you know, when that happens, people kind of uh, you know find find things to uh, be disgruntled about. When 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 they step back, most people would go, "No, this is great. We're really really happy to have Coach Licklider," which yeah. uh, I'm with you. I'm on board with. Hey, Richie, yeah. uh, thanks so much for coming on. You are fantastic. I'm going to give you thirty. Five ace purples today for your efforts here today and uh that just so happens to be your uh number when you were playing with the aces, right?
1: Oh well how how ironic, man. Thank,
0: Thank you. you. Yes it cool. was my number. Before
1: Kevin Durant had thirty five, I had thirty five. So I'd like to say you followed in my footsteps. There's
0: no question. You know? uh, I believe yeah. that.
1: <laughs> I appreciate the 35 Ace Purple, man.
0: Thanks so much. Uh, we we don't give those out lightly, but uh, you got them today. You yeah. earned it, baby. You earned it, uh, <laughs> guys, girls. That was the great Richie Shuler. Um, Richie, so much thanks for so much for coming on.
1: Hey, you're welcome. Hey, and thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for getting this podcast going. You're doing a great job with it, uh, and I think and I hope Evansville fans appreciate what you're trying to get get done and accomplished. So, well done to you, my
0: man. Oh, they are—they uh, are putting up with me at a spectacular level. Um, so I appreciate them as well. But uh, yeah, Richie, thanks for coming on him and uh, go get him this week.
1: Appreciate you, sir. Thanks,
0: man. All right, let's cruise around Lincoln Avenue, and this week's Around Campus. And we've got great news to talk about. Uh, baseball sweeps Butler. What a good way to get this season rolling. Um, they take out the Bulldogs three games in a row, and then they will keep it rolling at Tennessee Martin today. So uh, go Aces baseball. I love that. Um, nicely done, fellas. Um, and then we don't talk too much about the track team because, as Kenny Powers says, Uh, I want to be the best athlete. I just don't want to be the best at exercising. Uh, But Anna Lowry on the women's cross-country team is more than a great exerciser. She is the two-time all-Missouri Valley Conference in cross-country. She set a new school record in the 3K, uh, 9 minutes and 51 seconds. Um, I myself do not run any 3Ks because my body knows uh, that if I run 95 feet in any one direction, I'm out of bounds, and I can stop right now. But uh, Anna keeps running. And congrats to Anna Lowry for her efforts on the Aces cross country team. Um, also, the Evansville managers moved up to number thirty in the manager games national rankings. Um, that's very impressive. And I'll I'll say this: these guys work their butts off. Like people have no idea how hard managers work to keep everything's uh, going well and and making sure the players can do well. Uh, you heard Richie Schuler talk about resources, and part of that is having great managers, and these guys are great. Um, I'm really fired up that they get to do all this manager game-type stuff. Uh, like that, That's really, really cool. I will say this. Uh, they need to get anyone that has ever been on a scholarship off the floor for those games. Um, I won't stand for it. Um, I think I'm going to announce myself as the manager games commissioner, and we're going to get all guys like Jake Odom from Indiana State off the court during the game, Seth Tuttle from Northern Iowa. You don't get to play in these manager games. you got scholarships. Don't get me started. All right, uh, guys, congrats to Butler – or congrats to our Aces team for beating Butler. Congrats to Anna Lowry and the cross-country team, and congrats to our Evansville managers for doing what they do. All right. Let's preview this week's game, the first round game in the Missouri Valley Conference, at Arch Madness uh, against Valpo. This is a Thursday night game. It is an 8:35 tip. You can see it on ESPN Plus. Um, here's here's how this thing is going to go. We've played Valpo twice this year. They are 16 and 15. Uh, so our first game was at home against them. We lost in overtime, 81 to 79. DeAndre Williams was absolutely special in this game. He was had 28 points, six boards. He was 11 for 13 from the floor. Uh, Art Labinowitz uh, had one of his best games as an ace. He had 16 points. He was three of five from three-point land. But in the end, Javon Freeman-Liberty, whose uh, all-conference was just too much. I mean, he went and put on a cape at halftime, became Superman, and finished with 25 in the win in the Ford Center. So that was the first... Meeting was rough, but uh, man, it was a heck of a game. And then we go up to the Valpo Dome, or I mean the Athletics and Recreation Center on January 26th. Different story, but same result. This was the second game for Coach Licklider after being hired 24 hours before his first game. Uh, so that was really the first game that he was able to prepare for. Um, and we ultimately lost 67 to 65, but it was the new look aces. Um, and one without number 13, so DeAndre had hurt his back at that point, so he did not get to play. But Sam, KJ, and Juwan were all really good in this one, all giving double-digit uh, on the offensive end. But the difference was the four spot. Um, Evan and John Hall just couldn't buy one that night, and Ryan Fizikas, uh, from Valpo, he, he was hot shooting them and he's a stretch four and he just he got too hot to end the first half giving them some distance that we couldn't come back from uh, we were down 13 at half and uh, you know just couldn't come back from that spread halftime, uh, lost by two so that was a total of four points um, including overtime uh, between these two teams so these are very evenly matched teams um, that will likely give us another tremendous game Thursday night. Um, I will say this, Javon Freeman-Liberty is their best player. He's all-conference, first team, uh, but he's had mono this last week and been out this past week's game. So whether he plays or not, I don't know. Didn't stop them from beating Missouri State, doesn't stop them from being a really good team, but obviously putting an all-conference player back on the floor, uh, that's a difference maker for them. Devon uh, Devon Clay is a freshman. He's from St. Louis who has stepped up for them. Really big recently, Um, so you know he will likely keep that rolling in his hometown. I mean, that's uh, we can count on him to to play well. And then Fazekas, who we just talked about, um, he really stretches the floor. I mean, he's a he was a difference maker at that their place. Um, He is someone we're going to need to keep a lid on. Um, And quite frankly, Evan Kuhlman has been a real bright spot for this team since the coach lick hire, Um, and he will maybe have his greatest challenge um, of the season if he wants to help our aces get their first conference win of the season. Um, You know What they do on the offensive side is they have a continuity where they post up on the strong side and kind of down screen away. It gives them room to work, and we'll have to be very good about keeping the ball in front of us and then staying in a stance off the ball and not getting screened um, and giving help side quickly when we need it. Um, on our side, it appears that DeAndre is a game-time decision, uh, but I think we have to prepare to be without him. I think the the answer is to keep it really simple. Do what works and stay away from things that don't. Uh, move the ball to open shooters. Attack the paint. And hope the rims are kind. We got to shoot a little better than what we have. So, um, this team has been so close most of the season. This would just be a tremendous game to get a win and go play on Friday. All right, that's the final buzzer. The scoreboard says we get the win for episode number 16. Uh, Guys, girls, I really appreciate everyone who has liked and shared the links on the Facebook and Twitter pages. I especially love it when you guys make comments that you make. Um, And... I absolutely go ballistic when I see that you subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. So thanks so much for all the support all season long. You guys have been absolutely the best fans in the conference, and that is no question, hands down, the greatest. Um, I want to say a very special thank you to our fantastic guest, Richie Schuler for coming on. He was unbelievable. Um, go check out his Ph.D. Hoops um, page. it's It's really good stuff. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Remember, play tough on defense. Play fast on offense. Be great teammates. And I will see you at the Ford Center.